the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful uh, day today. Uh, this is Al Fadi, and uh, if you're tuning in, you're listening to Let Us Reason. And by the way, I am live, and uh, I believe be- people can call me at 602-274-1360, so I would love to hear from you and uh, interact with you. Uh, Today's topic uh, is going to be most likely a multi-part, at least two parts, uh, and it's going to be uh, related to something that we've been hearing in the news for the last, my goodness, uh, two to three weeks. While I refuse uh, to engage my show into politics, I thought it might be interesting to draw some parallelism Uh, when it comes to the issue that the nation has been dealing with. Uh, You probably have uh, gathered from what I said that I am going to be addressing the issue related to the Supreme Court nominee, Judge Kavanaugh, and all the other drama uh, surrounding uh, this nomination. Now, I am not going to talk about the Supreme Court. I am not going to talk about the United States law. I'm not going to talk about... Uh, how Congress ought to uh, conduct its business, uh, or uh, how nominations has to be uh, uh, processed. But what I want to talk about, actually, has to do with Sharia law. In other words, I want our listeners to just draw a comparison between this freedom and democracy that we have versus the past and the background that I come from. Okay? So, Let's start with this definition. Many of you have heard the term Sharia law, but probably you don't know really what Sharia law mean or stands for other than it is related to Islam. Now, for starters, the word Sharia means that you are basically searching for life. It talks about the path to water. And obviously, we're talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the start of Islam. It happened to be in Arabian Peninsula. It's a desert. So searching for water, uh, meaning that you're searching for the source of life. So the term Sharia basically leads into that. In other words, if you want to really have assurance of um, living life and living life in a way that is pleasing to the God of Islam— and you ought to really search for the path that lead you into that life, okay? A life that is going to protect you from punishment, the life that is going to protect you from 
you know, uh, legal ramifications if you violated certain rules and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's the term Sharia. Now, do you find it in a Quran? Well, you find, uh, you know, versions of the word itself, you know, uh, not necessarily the word Sharia law itself. However, there are indications that a, a form of a law or, um, uh, you know, a form of a legal proceedings uh, or uh, certain rules are found in the Quran. No doubt about that. However, Sharia law in and of itself, in terms of being a court of law, did not even emerge until almost 200, possibly even 300 after the death of the Prophet of Islam. Did you catch this? It's not something that was instituted or established during the life of the Prophet himself. He died in the year 632. So it will be fair to say that by end of 9th century, beginning of 10th century, you have something called Sharia law. Okay. Now, where do... Uh, judges of Sharia law, for instance, draw their rulings from. Now, there are different approaches when it comes to that. You have primary sources for Sharia law. One of those sources is the Quran itself. That's in the Muslim mind, of course. It's the word of Allah himself that is um, uh, directly uh, revealed to the prophet of Islam. So it is the word of Allah that is revealed to the Prophet of Islam. So anything you take from the Quran, it's almost like what the God of Islam is saying. So that's his divine word. There are certain rules in the Quran that deals with how to punish, for instance, someone who is caught being drunken, drunkard, uh, someone uh, who committed adultery, uh, and uh, there are rules against those who commit highway robbery, for instance, uh, there are rules against those who will steal, and so on and so forth. Believe it or not, murder, meaning if you kill someone, is actually not a, a, a rule. I mean, not a, a, a crime, I should say, that is punishable by death automatically. You can actually pay restitution, a blood money, and save yourself. If the family of the deceased, the family of the murdered one, would accept that blood money and waive their rights and forgive you for what you have done. Can you believe that? I mean, contrast this to the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not kill. And that's it. End of discussion. And then in Genesis 9, God made it very clear uh, that's one of those rulings in the, um, uh, in the Bible uh, that uh, transcend the law. And the right of basically uh, human rights, I should say, and protection of life is so sacred that God says if a man, a human, kills another human by human being, the life of the killer must be taken. In other words, there is no substitution for that. And that's why we thank God for the grace of um, our Lord that when it came to us as sinners, that he was willing to go to the cross to save us from our sins. But nevertheless, that doesn't lessen, by the way, the fact that government is instituted by God, that they can take the life of a murderer. And God himself sanctioned government to be a tool in his hand. Nevertheless, that's not the case under Islamic Sharia law. 
So you have the Quran as one primary source. Then you have the sayings and the teachings of the Prophet known as Hadith. So usually, there, this is how it works. And I'm, I'm again, I'm giving you just a, a very brief, simplified way of understanding Sharia law. I mean, no way getting into the, uh, the weeds here. I no way I'm trying to give you some detailed explanations. But I want you at least to be aware of how... Sharia law functions. Now, before we proceed uh, further, I just want to remind everyone, if you're tuning in, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and this is actually a live show. This is today, Saturday, December 6th. This is a live show. You can call me, if you like, at 602-274-1360. 602-274-1360. Okay? So here is what we are uh, talking about right now. We're talking about Islamic Sharia law. We said that one of the primary sources of Islamic Sharia law is basically the Quran that Muslims consider to be the word of Allah. Now, the second source is the Hadith, the sayings of the Prophet. And typically, uh, a judge can go really to the Quran first and see if the Quran is straightforward when it comes to a punishment for a certain crime. And can also consult a hadith to see how the Prophet of Islam interpreted that particular verse, for instance, or how he administered the punishment for that crime. But if the Quran is silent on something, the hope is that the hadith, at least, wasn't silent on it. But then, if none of these two primary sources, the Quran or the hadith, said anything, we get to something called the consensus. In other words, you look at the primary teachers of the law, And how did they uh, basically reach an agreement on a punishment? So let's say there was a specific crime, uh, drug dealing, okay? You know that dealing with drugs is not mentioned in the Quran. The closest thing to it is alcohol, obviously. But believe it or not, the punishment for alcohol, if someone is caught drunk, is to be lashed publicly. But if you caught dealing drugs, uh, the punishment in some some of the Islamic countries uh, could be capital punishment, death. Well, how did they reach this, uh, basically, um, uh, you know, uh, conclusion? And how did they reach this particular uh, punishment? Well, they would use something uh, that is parallel to uh, another crime. So they would say, well, um, dealing drugs is like causing mischief in the land. And the crime for mischief or highway robbery in Islam in the Quran is death. Therefore, Uh, drug does the exact same effect, and therefore the punishment for drug dealing is the capital punishment, which is death. That's consensus. You need to have uh, bodies, uh, legal bodies, Islamic judges that agree and becomes basically unanimous. However, if you go to the Islamic world today, uh, what is accepted in one country may not be accepted in another. Now, because when Sharia law came into being at the beginning, uh, it was a caliphate. There was no boundaries. It was an entire swath of area that is under the leadership of the Islamic caliphate. And therefore, uh, the judgment will be implemented and administered in the entire area under uh, or the territories under the leadership of the caliph. Now, of course, you have multiple Islamic countries with different rules. However, that's the consensus. Then you get to something called ishtihad or at least uh, reasoning. And uh, the reasoning is you would take uh, a crime, uh, just like I mentioned, 
and you would try to come up with a punishment for that particular crime that is uh, equivalent to something else. But usually this one is done by an individual versus a body that deals with it. So this is what Sharia law is all about, and this is how it functions. Now, uh, we have branches of uh, basically law that teaches on it. One of the most important branch, basically, of the law is what we call the jurisprudence, and that's the Islamic jurisprudence. However, believe it or not, in Islam, you have to figure out if this is a Sunni jurisprudence law or if it is a Shia jurisprudence and so on and so forth. In other words, it's not a monolithic Sharia law. Just because we say Sharia law doesn't mean all Muslims agree on the crime and the punishment. They would have to follow what is called madhab or their own branch or their own sect of interpretation. And even under each one of those branches, like Sharia law, for instance, under the Sunni branch of Islam, has different schools. You have the moderate school, you have the conservative school, you have a liberal school, but you also have an ultra-conservative school. Where I grew up in Saudi, it's an ultra-conservative school known as the Salafi or Hanbali or Wahhabi, any of these names is synonym, basically. Now, you go, for instance, to Southeast Asia, usually the Shafi'i school is the one that is mentioned. You go to North Africa, usually either Hanafi or Maliki that is mentioned. All of these are different types of schools in terms of their way of interpreting things, okay? But now, let me get into some important stuff. Remember, we started this whole show today, and this is... Let us reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi. And as a reminder, this is a uh, live show. This is a live show. And you can call me right now if you have any questions related to this at 602 274 1360. Again, 602 274 1360. And a topic really that prompted me to discuss Sharia law today has to do with the recent, basically, drama at uh, our uh, nation's capital, at Congress, and has to do with the nomination to the Supreme Court, Judge Brett Kavanaugh, and all the accusations that were leveled against him. Now, I'm not here to try to tell you how you ought to think about what's going on, but I'm here to tell you that, in all fairness, we ought to listen to all parties, listen and also examine presented evidence, witnesses, and draw our own conclusion. Now, we are fortunate that we have a process like this here in the United States of America. At least there is freedom, there is democracy, there is due process. Yet, sadly, what I have noticed coming from the Middle East, coming from a very strict area of interpreting law in Saudi Arabia... I sensed in the last two to three weeks that our nation was headed in that direction by ignoring evidence and drawing conclusions based on just oral testimonies based on what we like and dislike. That's not how things should work. That's not how things work. The bedrock, basically, of our traditions and our, uh, basically, uh, principles when it comes to the legal um, uh, you know, proceedings in any issues related to uh, accusations or how crimes ought to be processed and crimes ought to be punished 
is not just by pointing fingers as anyone and saying, I think the person did this, or I think that person is telling the truth. It doesn't work that way. However, it does work that way under Sharia law. Because under Islamic Sharia law, the reliance is only on verbal uh, eyewitness accounts, oral accounts. You can just swear and say, I swear the truth, that I'm telling the truth, and here is what I think this person did. And the judge have to take your word for it, and if they have two or three or four, basically, oral witness testimonies, that's it. You're done. You're toast. Some people in the Middle East, in Saudi, could have lost their life by being punished, by beheading, or maybe lost their arm or their hand because someone accused them, and that's it. The judge just goes by the accusations. There is no due process. The legal and court proceedings under Sharia law is something that goes as follows. Okay, When it comes to criminal cases, for instance, or any other uh, cases, uh, there, there is only one judge. There is no pre-trial, basically, discovery process. There is no jury system. The trials are conducted by a single person. That's the judge. And the judge have every right to issue his verdict within minutes. He doesn't have to wait for weeks or months or years. There is no attorney that come, can come and represent you. Maybe you can hire an attender, attorney just to help you with the filling out forms and things like that. But don't expect an attorney to stand before the judge and try to plea on your behalf or present the court with any evidence. There is no stare decisis, meaning there is no such thing as, um, you know, ruling that the judge can basically rely upon. There is no prior, um, basically, verdict or a rule that could be used as the standard, okay? It's up to the judge. You can go to two Sharia law courts with two different judges with the same crime, one judge can say you need to be thrown in jail for life. The other can say you need to be beheaded. Uh, you can go to another judge and say, well, you need to be hanged. Another judge, you'll say, well, you need to be shot basically by a firing squad. I mean, it goes like this. Okay, there is no such thing as due process. The rule of evidence basically in Sharia law court uh, uh, relies only on oral testimony and prioritizing that, and all you need is just male witnesses. Did you hear that? You need two at least men to testify, and in a crime of basically um, uh, rape, you need four who have witnessed the rape, four, and go before a judge and swear that they have witnessed the rape. For the life of me, if there is four people witnessing someone getting raped, why in the world wouldn't they even go and help the victim first, okay? But be it as it may, this is how Sharia law functions. Sadly, what I have noticed in the last two to three weeks watching things on TV as they are being unfold, it seems like some is interested in doing it exactly that way. This is not the America that, for instance, I came to. This is not the America that everybody has come to. This is a nation that has a constitution that is founded on biblical principles. Thank God, at least, that we still have sound people who are willing to listen to sound arguments. Imagine 
if things will turn like Sharia law, uh, basically, is mandating things. You only hear arguments from people orally. You don't need to corroborate these arguments or accusations. You don't need to worry about presenting any evidence. You don't need to go through a discovery process. None of that. And you just place, make a judgment. And it goes as far as even issuing a verdict. I wish it's just making judgment against people. No, no, no. The court can issue a verdict based on accusations for the simple fact that a male witness swore, gave a sworn testimony that they can attest the person did this crime. You need two male. Now, in part two, by the way, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and this is a live show. We're discussing Sharia law, and we're trying to draw a comparison between Sharia law as taught under Islam versus what's going on with the nomination of Judge Kavanaugh and the things that unfolded throughout the process in terms of accusations and so on and so forth. Uh, you can still call me, if you like, at uh, 602-274-1360. This is part one of my uh, uh, basically, um, show on Sharia law. Next week, we are going to talk about part two, and I am going to discuss the rights of women under Sharia law. Because I want our female listeners to pay close attention to the comparison between what Sharia law is teaching and what we have sadly witnessed lately when it comes to how, unfortunately, for political reasons, some female are being used just to uh, progress, basically, certain political agendas. That's not how things ought to be, and I hope that that's not how things will turn out to be for our future generations. Once again, this is Al-Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason. Hope, uh, as always, that you can continue to support us in prayers. And also, if you like financially, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's uh, www.youtube.com forward slash Sira International. That's C as in Charlie. And you can subscribe to our channel. And also, you can become a Patreon patron with donation as little as $1 and as much as the Lord puts in your heart. All of these donations can help us to stay on air. Thank you, by the way. This is going to be our fifth year now in on air because of your faithfulness, your support, and your prayers. Once again, this is uh, Al-Fadi, and I pray that you would have a wonderful, wonderful Saturday. God bless you. Actually, I'm being reminded uh, that uh, I still have some time. So with that says, let me just uh, give you quickly different ways you can actually listen to this show. And listen also to the previous shows. You can go, for instance, to um, uh, KPXQ 1360 and Google uh, Let Us Reason or Let Us Reason uh, Al-Fadi. And you will have access to archived shows. You can go to our previous platform, which is soundclouds.com. Search under uh, there uh, for Al-Fadi or Let Us Reason. And now we have a new platform, which is Omni Studio. And you also will find many of our uh, shows in there as well. Uh, we have some of them that we have streamed through YouTube uh, at Sierra International. And the Sierra is uh, C as in Charlie, by the way. C as in Charlie. So um, you 
with Search Under Zero International. You can listen to a number of our shows. And there are many videos, of course. We're not talking just about the podcast, but we're talking about many of our videos. Uh, recently, we're releasing a brand new series called Scripture Twisting 101. Scripture Twisting 101, where basically we've been taking some of the biblical passages that are used by our Muslim friends, apologists at least, and twisting them to try to come up uh, or draw conclusions from these passages that uh, are totally different than what the passage itself is talking about. So we wanted to do this to help people who are engaged with Muslims and also hopefully for the Muslims who are seekers to see for themselves that the passages that they thought in the Bible are speaking about, let's say, Muhammad or denying the deity of Christ and so on and so forth, they do not actually say what they're being told. Okay? And uh, finally, yeah. And finally, I want to just tell you that you can always email us at alfadi, alfadi at sierrainternational.com. And you can reach me through my website, by the way, because you can email me through there. And the website is sierrainternational.com. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. And until we meet again next week and the weeks after, have a blessed day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.